Hello, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne and we're broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We come to you on your local community radio station. This week, we take you to Brisbane, where the Brisbane City Council has locked out members of the Electrical Trades Union, the ETU, for taking protected action over roster changes. The Council has joined the ranks of employers, hoping to take the industrial landscape back to the 18th century, where arbitrary changes to workplaces was the rule. But more of that later. Despite the Federal Liberals saying the recent Federal Budget was a budget for everyone, university students and pensioners were enraged, taking to the streets during May. We hear voices from the rallies. But first, some union news. Sally McManus, the new Secretary of the Australian Council of Trade Unions, the ACTU, went down to the Myrtleford Carter Holt Harvey Plywood Mill in North East Victoria recently. They determined to continue fighting for a fair pay deal despite being locked out of their workplace for more than a month. The over 200 workers have been unable to enter the lockdown mill since April the 19th after workplace agreement negotiations broke down. Staff are pushing for a 9% pay rise over three years, a week's annual leave over Christmas and better income protection insurance. This is what Sally McManus had to say. Listen, um, I'm here today, guys, to bring support from all unions across the whole country you know, to you, to you in this dispute. There's only a couple of disputes across the country at the moment that are as big as yours. There's this one and there's one up in central Queensland. You probably know the Fletcher's dispute got settled just a little while ago. And so I want to bring the support to say that so long as you decide that you want to hang tight, we'll hang tight with you. We will go and raise money. We'll go and raise support. We'll go and take the story of Myrtleford and what's happening here outside this mill to all workers across Australia. That's my promise to you. That's what we'll do to support you because that's what we do as trade unionists. So where you've got a billionaire deciding to abuse his power and to lock people out essentially to try and starve people, that's just a straight out power struggle that he's engaged in. It's a power struggle that no employer should be allowed to just do. I know what you have to go through just to take legal protected industrial action, all the hoops, all the time, all of the limitations on it. He doesn't have to follow those same rules. So that's an example of where our laws, our workplace laws that are meant to stand up for workers and make things even, to make the bargaining process an even and a fair one, just aren't fair anymore. It's not fair when we have situations like this that we're seeing here because an employer is just allowed to lock out workers without going through um, all the processes or seeing it as an absolute last resort rather than the first resort, whereas they've clearly done. So that's another reason why this is actually a matter of principle, this fight you've taken here, matter of principle that you're deciding that you're going to stick by yourselves, stick by what you believe in, in order not just to let the rich and powerful have their way. 
A local telecommunication reseller, Sprint Telco, has been ordered to pay over $7,000 in unpaid wages and superannuation to an overseas student visa holder after she brought a claim against the company in the Federal Circuit Court. The case was heard in the court rather than Fair Work Commission, the FWC, because that allowed the student to have the matter heard more quickly before she returned home to Colombia. The student told the court that she had initially been paid regularly, although not, it was revealed at award rates. After a while, though, she was paid less frequently and at one point wasn't paid for a month. The Sprint director threatened to report her to the Department of Immigration for visa breaches if she complained. The court was also told that the same director had threatened another worker who complained about underpayment that he would place cocaine in her bags and report her to the police. Sprint Telco, which is a Telstar reseller and advertises itself as having Australia's best 4G network, seems to have got off lightly. The judge who heard the case, Alistair McNabb, suggested that the company and its directors may well have incurred a substantial penalty if the case had gone to the FWC. More than 42 million calls to Centrelink receive Engage Signal, the Senate Estimates Committee hears. In the first 10 months of this financial year, just over 42 million calls to the government agency received an engaged signal, according to evidence presented to the Senate Estimates hearing. That compares to almost 29 million in 2015-16 to financial year and 22 million the year before that. Green Senator Rachel Saywert is quoted as saying it shows the Centrelink system is broken, the government intends to contract an extra 250 call centre staff to help manage the high number of calls. International Sex Workers Day was celebrated on June the 2nd, a day commemorating the 1975 occupation of the Church of St. Nizarov in Lyon, France, by more than 100 prostitutes. The event is considered to be the birth of the modern sex workers' rights movement. On the 2nd of June in 1975, around 100 street-based sex workers decided they'd have a gutful of police being more interested in harassing and arresting them than in solving murders and other crimes committed against them. They took over a church and staged a sit-in in protest. As the days wore on, the police became more and more impatient. Instead of attempting to negotiate with the sex workers and resolve their issues, the police just threatened them with increasingly harsh penalties. When the protesters still showed no sign of backing down after a few weeks in the church, the police announced that they were going to have the sex workers' children removed from their homes. This cruel threat outraged the women of Lyon who promptly walked into the church and joined the sex workers in solidarity. If you're going to remove the sex workers' children, the women said, then you're going to have to remove all our children because how can you tell the difference between one mother and the next? A manufacturing summit will be run at Parliament House, Canberra on Wednesday, June the 21st. The summit is supported by the following unions, the Australian Manufacturing Workers' Union, 
the United Voice, Australian Workers' Union, and it's organised by the Australian Institute Centre for Future Work. For further information, go to manufacturingmatters.org.au. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. A Friday evening email from Brisbane City Council's Workplace Relations Manager to the Electrical Trades Union has escalated a dispute between union members and the council over workplace rostering. The email told the union that ETU members who had engaged in limited industrial action on that day would not be required for work on Monday, May the 29th. 25 of the 30 electricians employed by the council had begun protected action involving a ban on paperwork and minor tasks as part of enterprise agreement negotiations. At issue in the dispute, according to the locked-out electricians, is management's refusal to consider their views on a new flexible, in inverted commas, roster system being proposed. The workers, whose job is to service traffic signals, street lighting and other electrical council amenities, explain that their work schedules are already flexible. Many work nights and weekends when needed and are available on call when rostered. We bend over backwards to cater for the job to be done, the workers said. Stick Together's Queensland reporter, Kay Broadbent, has the story. Here at the BCC ETU Community Assembly, and I'm speaking to Jeff, who's been a long-time employee of the Brisbane City Council, and we're talking about uh, the... BCC's actions in asking employees not to turn up for work on Monday. Jeff, can you just give us some thoughts yes, about the background uh, about and stuff? Yes, about nine Saturday morning, received a phone call from my business manager to inform me that because of the uh, sanctioned industrial action we're taking, that uh, I would not be required at work until further notice and would not be getting paid. Um, can you tell us about the protected industrial action that you were taking? We applied for protected industrial action with the Commission and that was granted. Uh, they had a very definite scope on what uh, we could do, uh, which was detailed as only furnishing uh, regulatory paperwork and uh, entries onto the iPad. Anything of a minor nature wouldn't be, wouldn't be done. And... Uh, I'll let the other guys from TNS speak for themselves on what their bans were. Sure. But ours were of very minor nature, and yet it's serious enough that uh, they have... Uh, well, they take great pains to tell us we're not locked out, but we're not required at work and will not be paid until further notice. So, Jeff, can you give us a little bit of background on the uh, why you were taking protected action, please? Uh, well, we've been trying through uh, the EBA negotiations to... Uh, be granted a separate EBA for the field workers as opposed to being lumped in with the rest of council. Okay. Uh, the field workers in total only make up about, six, I believe, 16 or 17% of the total workforce and yet we're lumped in with all the admin people, the bus drivers and everybody else. Mm-hmm. So no matter what our feelings are on an EBA, it normally gets we get voted out of it. 
we feel we've got no say in our own uh, own conditions. So you feel you you don't get negotiated or consulted separately no. about well, what you Well, once they like? know they've got the numbers with other sections of council, it just goes to a vote. Okay. And even if the whole block of field workers voted against it, you know you're going to get snowballed. Okay. So, so what are some of the issues for field workers? In well, just that we work under completely different conditions. You you working out in the elements all the time. You're making your way to site, you've got to plan your jobs in the field. You've got to organise equipment and everything else, whereas, you know, while uh, the people that work in the offices do a fine job, they come to work every day and... So there's nothing like heat rules or anything uh, like that? Well, no. Um, I've, never, I've never been told to walk off a job because it was too hot. Uh, you know, you don't do anything ridiculous and, you know, you get told all the time to, you know, make sure you keep keep the fluids up and all that sort of thing but you know it's completely different working out in the field than this working Certainly. in an office. I read something about um, the change of rosters making them more flexible yeah, is that well, something that affects you Well more you flexible well? for the council maybe yes. it would be far less flexible for us yes. in that they can give you 28 days notice and put you on to permanent night shift uh, include Saturdays and Sundays as part of your normal working week um, be that daytime, nighttime, on the weekends, whenever. Okay. So, and that's part of your action as well yeah, in terms right. of response yeah. to that. Um, we've always worked whatever hours were required. Um, you know, council uses a lot of contractors, and between the, the group that they've got and the contractors that they use from time to time, and we know ourselves that the contractors are a necessary part of the workforce. Mm -hmm. You can't have a workforce of 100% with people sitting around during the, the slow times so that's that's what contractors should be used for mm -hmm. to fill in the peaks but you know it's not happening. there's more and more all the time and we get pushed further and further back so so as a long-time employee with the Brisbane City Council tell us how you feel about this lockout <laughs> that we can't call a lockout uh, pissed off actually <laughs> um, I quite enjoy my job. I like coming to work and I can't. Okay, I'm speaking to Corey and what you're in traffic, traffic uh, and signals, yeah, Corey. Yeah, I'm one of the traffic signals team leaders for construction, pretty much. Okay, so and you're a long-time employee with the Brisbane City Council? Uh, yeah, seven years now. Okay, terrific. So do you want to tell us a little bit about um, what it means for traffic and signals workers and, uh, uh, and being locked out? Locked out, I wouldn't quite, yeah. Technically it's not a lockout, but it exactly. is if we fold, so they're trying to play their cards. Um, well, for us, it means we're just still just trying to fight for the flexible rostering. We're not even asking for a pay rise. Haven't had Technically, we've had a pay rise, but we haven't actually had a pay rise in five years. Because every time we get a pay rise, they just take another allowance off us, and my wage just stayed the same for five years now. Oh, okay. Um, so we're not even asking for that, or asking for us to keep our current conditions, which is not flexible rostering. We already work night shift. I work night shift when I'm needed to. I work weekends when we needed to. There has never been a weekend they haven't been able to fill. But they are trying to pretty much just make it easier for themselves and they can dictate, okay, these guys are gonna work now Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday will be their weekend and they can, you know, move everyone like that. Make one, make it cheaper for themselves, but two that just puts out family time for all these guys and you know if you have mates, they don't they don't work weekends, so what are you gonna do for that? Wednesday, Thursday, they can potentially just sit at home. So you're saying that really they have flexibility already. Oh, they do. What they're asking for is just to be able to tell you when exactly. you can work. So it's yes. that 
Yeah. Last year they set us at our, at our um, barbecue, our yearly barbecue that we had o done over the. We had exceeded the, the allocated work, and we'd still come under budget. So we'd done more work than they had planned in the year. So. So productivity is not the issue. Productivity is not the issue. It's just them trying to be able to, in my opinion, it's them just being able to dictate when we work, make their lives a bit easier. Um, yeah, that's all I can see. Okay. I don't see any need for it. Really. Sure. And do you want to just tell us, you know, what it means to you to have your employer do this to you? Well, for me, the reason I'm out here is because, for me, they, I pretty much know they would put me on permanent night shift. I wouldn't have a choice in that. If we say no, it can be disciplinary action on it. Um, eventually they can pretty much tell you that you won't have a job here. Um, for me, I just got engaged. I just bought a house. Um, so me and the fiancé, she works about 11 hours a day, so I wouldn't see her during the day. I wouldn't see her during the week, but I only see her on the weekends. Um, so, and if you weren't working? Yeah, that's if I wasn't working on the weekends. So for me, it's just not an option. I'd have to quit my job if that happens. So pretty much fighting for my job. Uh, the reason we were looking for a split agreement is because, yes, like Jeff said, there's different conditions um, and we are a small workforce, so once they get the bus drivers or any majority to vote in, we get steamrolled. We work with high-risk work all day in traffic. I hold three high-risk work licences. We work with asbestos, we you know, electricians, obviously, and we also are responsible for the safe operation of the signals. So I've got a lot of responsibility and... Uh, operating cranes and stuff as well and that is just not filtered down in our EBA at all. So, so you're saying that you're, the, the EBA that you're under which is a generic EBA for all Brisbane City Council really doesn't take into account the sort of specialty work that, exactly that, right. that the electricians yeah. do. And we're not asking for the world, we're just asking to keep what we got. We don't even have any allowances on any of those high-risk works or anything. So. Uh, so the change in rostering for me, the biggest impact it'll have on my family, I've got a young kid that um, and, and, and today's sort of economic climate my wife's gone back to work as well so we're trying to juggle my job her job daycare pickups these sorts of things that you can't just uh, you can't just get new day, days at daycare it's not done all. that's certainly not flexible that's right um, and so much the same as Corey's angle with the impact that it'll have on my family that's the, the biggest thing I'm concerned about we, we already are flexible we bend over backwards to, in order to cater for the job to be done you know and we do it with a smile on our faces as a happy workforce but the way the council has just treated us is just is just yeah, sort of abominable really and is this something that council's done before I've been at the council just over three years and so I haven't been through this process before um, from my understanding there's a history of just the council just slowly chipping away and ebbing away at these guys. Um, working conditions and working allowances which they have taken on the chin for the last, literally the last 20 years so now that that's starting to change the boys are a little bit fed up that they're now, they've taken all the money off them now they've taken off the staff from them they've put more responsibility onto them and now they're trying to take family time away from them as well You're listening to Stick Together Union News, Workers' Stories and Social Justice Issues My name's Annie McLaughlin after the federal budget, two groups in society really felt the knife on their necks, university students and pensioners. The National Union of Students, the NUS, called a National Day of Action on May the 17th to respond to the increase in fees and reduction of services. Giving a tax cut to the super rich. No fees. 
can you tell me uh, what's going on here today? So today students are here protesting against the government plans to increase fees by nearly 8%, which could be a $4,000 increase for some fees, against their plans to lower the HEX repayment threshold to $42,000 and against their plans to uh, decrease funding for universities. What's that going to mean for you as a student? Well, the quality of education keeps on declining for um, students. And the last couple of years, we've seen universities across Australia fire hundreds of staff members. The um, increase in fees means that students are going to be paying way more for their education, but the quality of education isn't going to rise. It's going to begin the process of, ta- of um, pricing young people out of education as well. So this is a pretty all-round attack on accessibility to good quality education. It's two-pronged, isn't it, with the penalty rate? cuts as well. Yeah, it means that um, you know, young graduates who can't find jobs in their chosen field uh, are going to be earning less money overall, having to pay back their hex debts before they're even earning um, anywhere near the average um, wage for Australians. Uh, it's going to put a huge strain on them. But it's not even just the hex repayments, but also all the other taxes that the government is introducing. So it means that some graduates could be paying up to $900 more tax at the end of the year. Thanks. At Victoria University, the administration is currently trying to cut 115 staff members. This is a huge attack. And when staff are cut, student learning conditions are also cut. The university is trying to justify these attacks by saying that somehow the cutting of 115 staff members uh, will improve retention rates for students. Totally insane. We can't let the administrations who earn millions of dollars uh, justify their attacks. These vice-chancellors like Lynn Davis who live in mansions on campus, who swan around cutting staff, they need to be uh, told that students shouldn't pay more uh, to fund their salaries. Our next speaker will be Jeannie Ray uh, from the National Tertiary Education Union. Please make her welcome. Thanks, Annika. And it is a very good view from up here. It's so good that so many of you are here today and with lots of inventive placards. Part of having a decent education is learning about stuff that matters and being able to be in universities when you're not part of the traditional ruling class. Because make no mistake, what this budget is about is cutting government investment, government money, taxpayers' money, as in graduates who've now got jobs and pay tax, cutting money going into our public universities. It's not about saving money and budget repair and all that crap which they seem to change what they call it every time round. Um, It is actually about an attack on the rights of ordinary people to go to university and get the advantages of going to university but also to challenge challenge conservatism and neoliberalism and the sort of research that's going to go down one path and ignore sections of the population and all those sort of things. Critical education is what is actually up for grabs when you start winding universities down because this budget is about making students pay more and they will get less.
Virgo for pensioners called a rally on May the 25th. Owen Bennett from the Unemployed Workers Union. They want to drug test unemployed workers. They want to make it a condition of receiving an unemployment entitlement that you be drug tested. Talk about a punitive system. They want to give job agencies more powers to penalise unemployed workers, kick them off the dole. They want to force more people under cashless welfare, which is a system that doesn't work. They want to investigate single parents for welfare fraud. And they want to cut Centrelink staff across the board. All these measures designed to harass, humiliate, and, and just penalise unemployed workers and social security recipients. But I think it's worth having a think about what the government are trying to do here. And they're trying to create myths about people on social security. They want to try to create an identity about what, it, what people are like who collect social security. They want to create this image that people on social security are drug users, criminals, can't look for work, are dull bludgers, can't manage their money, we need to put them on cashless welfare, they're rorters, we need to investigate them for fraud, and the myth that we spend far too much money on social security, so we need to cut staff across the board. Just think about those myths for one moment. They're calling people drug users. Well, there was only hundred, uh, 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 there was about a thousand people who were actually penalised for using drugs last year, across the board. That's out of, of over, about a million people who collect, who are using the job agency system. And they want to give pa more powers to job agencies to penalise people. Well. Last year, there was two million penalties imposed on unemployed workers, which is ten times the amount five years before that. So they've already got enough powers. They're already going completely over the top with how many, how many penalties they're imposing on Social Security recipients. They, the last thing they need is more powers. And this idea that people can't look for work, so we need to force them into more more appointments, more activities, more work for the doll. There's no work. That's it for Stick Together today. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Sally McManus, the ETU members in Brisbane, Annika from the NUS, Jeannie Ray, Noan Bennett. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network and brought to you on your local community radio station. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.